Hello and welcome to Do It For Grantly, a podcast brought to you by Fortress Fund Managers, where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. In today's episode, So Now We Know and Knowing Is Half the Battle, we take a look back at some of what we've learned in the first five episodes of this, our first season. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Financial security doesn't grow on trees. It's built brick by brick with smart investments and a strong partner. To retirement, education, and whatever your future may hold, we say, bring it on. At Fortress Fund Managers, we're not afraid of the hard work, long hours, or steady saving, just like you aren't. We know better than anyone that you can't just hope for good luck. Call Fortress Fund Managers on 435-7777 to build your personal fortress. Your future, our business, Fortress. Hello, this is our final episode of this first season of Do It For Grantly. How has it been for you, Omar? It was fantastic. I (laughs) had a ball. (laughs) And we just wanted to take this opportunity to look back at some of the past episodes that we've done in the last couple of weeks. And we hope that you will send us more of your thoughts. We've had quite a bit of feedback online and in person. Oh, yeah. So we welcome all of those kind of things from you. So first, we're just going to cover the basics, which is Fortress Fund Managers. Who are we? Fortress is a mutual fund management company. We're based in Barbados and have been in operation since 1996. We manage a range of mutual funds that are both regional and international in their outlook. And we provide those services for investors, whether they're individuals or organizations. Simple as that. So from the personal to the very much corporate. Absolutely. And what a mutual fund is, um, in case you haven't listened to the previous episodes, a mutual fund is an investment product where you can come and invest with Fortress. And it's not just yourself. You're investing with everybody else who wants to invest in the fantastic products which Fortress carries. And all of your money is put into one pool and is invested in different countries and companies all over the world. Mutual funds work on your principle of diversification, not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So instead of yourself personally investing in one company or two companies or one country or two countries, what Fortress will do for you is invest in a slew of fantastic companies and countries all over the world. The research is being done by professional money managers and you get their experience to invest. So this way, as I said, you get to minimize any potential losses and maximize any potential gains. Right. And one of the things I remember you saying, Omar, in one of the earlier episodes was when you're getting on a flight to Miami or New York or wherever, you don't try to find out if you can do a better job than the pilot. Right? Exactly. You know, a lot a problem with a lot of persons is is that, you know, they believe they can do a better job than the money managers. But what I did say correctly, if you're in a plane going to Florida <laughs> and, you know, the plane has turbulence, you don't go to the cockpit and say, knock, knock, knock. Hey, um, let me fly this plane better than you. You know, so we're, we're, we're saying that, you know, these guys are the pros. They know the cycles of the economies. They know business inside and out. And they have huge professional teams which will do the job and do the best job for you. 
when we first started uh, a couple of weeks back, we did our first episode, We Don't Know What We Don't Know. And we interviewed Simon Natrum. Simon is an assistant lecturer at UWE mm-hmm. and he's pursuing his doctorate in economics. And he's also the new head of the Barbados Economic Society. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that really stuck with you from Simon's discussion with us? Simon's a very sharp young man. He knows his stuff. Uh, what I really enjoyed um, speaking with Simon on, and I believe you did as welcome was that he believes that productive investment does the world um, a lot of good and that is to say that you know you use money to make more money you invest your money to to create more you create jobs you create opportunities you build wealth you know you help prop up the economy in the end whether you work for a large company a small company or you work for yourself they were all founded by entrepreneurs who decided to take that risk and build something to create a greater good and you don't do that by saving alone mm-hmm. you may save to get the investment to 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 do the initial investment for the company but in the end true investment by creating a business is where the real value comes from it creates jobs and opportunities for persons all over yeah and i think too one of the things he was points he was making that in barbados that we have a lot of money saved within Correct. the banks mm-hmm. and so there's an opportunity to take some of that money and make it do more which is the productive investment that he spoke about it was a fantastic episode productive investment certainly would be getting money to businesses you no know, businesses in in barbados have for a long time in every survey you do of businesses and even anecdotally um you hear that uh businesses in barbados are are find difficulty in getting financing for their business financing is almost always the number one problem that businesses in barbados face um on the other hand there are lots of we have lots of savings uh, and the aim the 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 this problem that we need to solve is to get money from savings into these businesses uh, and if you get the money into those businesses it generates economic activity and again from my perspective as an economist it does a, a, a the world of social good in generating economic activity investment etc um so it is it is about this this productive investment that i keep talking about is about lending to businesses for them to invest in new technology um expanding capacity um new ideas research and development all of these fantastic things that take our world forward and make it a better place to live in we moved on then from our interview with simon and we went to not at the dinner table with shellyan he chung and rene delmas and we talked about early financial education both of them are parents shelly and rene and they talked about how they relate with their kids and as a family deal with the issue of financial awareness for their children. Absolutely, yes. And I I remember um you know Shelly was talking about the fact that it's important to start early mm-hmm. to start at the very foundation from the time the children are in kindergarten just to start and obviously the level of conversation will vary but you set that foundation so that they will have something to follow as they move towards you know making more important financial decisions as their life progresses. Absolutely. Um what we did discuss as well is that you know the same way how your kids are taught english and math and geography from an early age they should be taught about money because you know 99% of the persons out there are not going to be asked to do a complex mathematical equation as part as, as of their daily routine you will be needed to understand how loans work how a mortgage works how you know your money works how interest works 
you know, and, you know, money is not just something that you hand over to somebody for a good or a service. It, it's, it's an entire philosophy behind money. And we need to be taught that from an early age. Although, you know, the child may be young, you don't have to start with advanced mathematical or uh, monetary formulas for them, but just let them understand and appreciate what money is from a young age. It starts at the foundation. So from early primary school, even from kindergarten, you can start to configure your conversations to tailor to that age group. It may not be the uh, context around, would you like a mutual fund account? <laughs> <laughs> but at least to start a study foundation so that they can, as they proceed through their childhood and their development, the, it can help guide their financial decisions. And I think too, you know, people think that, well, I'm no expert on that, so I'm not really sure how much knowledge I can impart. But you must understand or remember that kids are brand new. They mm -hmm. come out into the world with... Tabula rasa. <laughs> <laughs> with nothing. They nothing. have nothing. Okay? Blank slate, yeah. Blank slate. So the little things that you take for granted. I remember I saw a guy at the ATM once and the child just thought that the money was money that they could go to the ATM and get. Mm -hmm. Didn't realize the, child, the father was like, no, no, no. <laughs> That is my money. And when I go there, I take it off because I have money on an account. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you don't think that is a big deal, but that was a learning moment for that child to understand that it wasn't just a magic machine in the wall that daddy went to and punched in some numbers and got some cash. It was mm -hmm. actually related to their investment. So having your kids close to you and talking to them at every opportunity helps them to understand. Rene talked about, you know, his father and his father being a self-taught businessman. Um, he had not finished school, but he was determined to learn more than he did about money and to move forward in his business. And he used to order the Financial Times newspaper Absolutely. and also had a number of books about um, financial, just financial knowledge, bookkeeping and whatnot. And Rene just remembers the pink paper. Ah, like that memory, yeah, that yeah. memory has stuck with him. And the Financial Times, well, I think it's more like salmon colored, but something like that. Yeah. Or maybe it was pink then, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I know. Sorry, but, Rene. <laughs> <laughs> but the Financial Times, that, that memory of seeing that paper stuck with him and it introduced him to other concepts other than savings. Mm -hmm. From my experience growing up with a father who was very open about money. Mm -hmm. I always remember the days of sitting on the bed with him. He had the Financial Times. Not that he understood what was in it, but it was that pink paper. Financial Times were pink. I think it still is, but it, there. And he had all his books because he was a self-taught businessman. He, he never finished school. Parents died early. He had to leave. So, you know, commerce made early, bookkeeping made early, whatever. So the concept of money and financial instruments other than a savings account in a bank were there in my, in my upbringing from early. And I guess it was really my grandmother who lived with us who really taught me about some of the concepts um, Shelley spoke about. You're not entitled to money. You have to earn it. And I could, you know, some things stick vividly in your mind and I can remember saying, okay, we always used to go to the races on a Saturday and we needed money to buy snow cones. We didn't bet on horses, but played games and that kind of thing. And we had to pick up stones and put them in a bucket from my grandmother who was developing a, a garden plot. And I can tell you, filling a bucket with stones for 25 cents is not easy. But it was that little incident where nothing is free in life. You, you have to, you got to be, in, you know, you're not entitled to it. You have to earn it. A woman's Worth. That episode three. Episode three with Melinda Bell. Mm -hmm. uh, Melinda is a financial, personal finance advisor. Mm -hmm. And she 
talked about the fact that the majority of her clients are women. I'm very happy about that. You know, traditionally, the society that we grew up in in Barbados, and I believe in lots of the Caribbean, the men were raised to be the providers and women tended to stay at home and take care of the family and the home and whatnot. And well, that is fine. You know, you find now that women are now coming out. They have more disposable income, their own income. They're not depending on the gentleman to come home and, and, and provide for, for, for them. They have their own sources of income sometimes, and in many cases, more income than a gentleman nowadays. So that is fine. And they're now realizing, well, yes, it's fine that we can go and we can, we're earning money, we can spend it, but we should also invest it. Historically, what would happen is that the parents may impart this information on the men. They may not always impart on the ladies. <laughs> so sometimes now you're finding that a lot of the ladies are going to persons like Melinda to get assistance because they may not have gotten it from their from their fathers or their or their, or their mothers. So um, I, I think Melinda has found a very, very wonderful niche market mm-hmm. and she's doing a lot of good, not just socially, but financially. It is it's a fantastic thing that she's she's doing. And it's not necessarily that she's exclusively, you know, open to men. She talked about having couples come in as well. Uh, absolutely. She and, did, yes. um, I, those are a different set, different set of financial considerations altogether. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she just made the, the observation that the majority of her clients were female. Mm-hmm. And I think she spoke to the fact that um, women may be more willing to come for advice. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And she's not the first financial advisor I've heard say that, mm-hmm. that they acknowledge there is a gap in my knowledge. I want to do something about Agreed. it. Agreed. You know, they had, there's a joke about men. They, they would they would never admit when they're lost when they're driving a the car. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes, You know, yes. so it's about... I, I've sat women, in the back of cars and experienced that. I've driven cars and experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so but, I, but I find women do not have that hang-up if a woman does not know. They tend to say, I do not know. Whereas a man would try to logic it out by himself and get more and more and more lost. It's, it's a terrible feeling. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, that, that is as a wonderful thing. And something we also mentioned, uh, something very important, Kim, mm-hmm. which we, which I just remembered was that you find that the women also are caregivers as well. Mm-hmm. And they, they tend to have the kids foremost on their mind mm-hmm. and they want to be able to provide for those children in the long run. Sometimes the dad or the gentleman in the, in the, in the relationship is not always present and the lady is with the kids mm-hmm. and she has not only to provide for herself, but to make sure that the child or children are always taken care of. And that is very, very important. So women, I find, and I I believe Belinda had agreed with this, take finances a lot more seriously now because there's a lot more riding on them to succeed. Most of my clients are women. Mm -hmm. So they willingly come to me for advice. They know they're in that position. They acknowledge readily that the decisions they would have made, the habits and practices would have placed them in the position that they're in. So I would find they're more willing and more, what's the word, responsible in terms of owning up to their mistakes and actually making that decision for that transition. Um, I did have a meeting with a couple because the wife actually, you know, called the meeting. So he was there also. He was there also. But um, I think that women are more willing to. I have some male clients, but not in the same number as the female clients that I have. There's a reversal. I think women are understanding that they have a place um, in the corporate world. Um, Back then, it would be that the woman was the homemaker and was responsible for taking care of the kids. 
but there is a shift in where women are actually going out there and actually you know, making a living for themselves. And I can speak for myself personally. Um, I'm very fiercely independent. And I uh, and, and I did have a good example from my mother also because um, she has a doctorate. She's out there making money and, and doing all those things. And I thought, well, if she could be someone of, you know, influence in that she has a family, yet she can go after her goals, I can do the same as well, too. When we went to episode four, we chatted with Mahalia and Cyrus Cummins. Mm-hmm. A match made in heaven, a, the significance of a financially minded other. Mm-hmm. Basically, two heads are better than one. Absolutely. So um, this was um, something interesting Mahalia mentioned because Mahalia is a performer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she does not have a strict nine to five where she gets a set salary at the end of every month. You know, during her busy times, she's very busy. When her when she's not busy, she's not busy. And then she, um, her husband, um, he does have a nine to five. And, you know, the difficulties, the trials and the trips relations of having that sort of relationship and that takes a lot of planning as well so when you have two parties where both of them are earning a steady income you know there's there's one set there's one philosophy you can cater to but when one person has a nine-to-five and the other does not or two persons are working two non-nine-to-five jobs the financial planning aspect has to be so different and careful Mm -hmm. because there's no telling when your next check will be coming in And they highlighted the importance of having that discussion and having it early. Oh, yeah. Because you can stumble into a relationship or move headlong as as wisely as you may think you are and then realize that, hang on, this person's approach to things is completely different Mm -hmm. than mine. Mm -hmm. So it's fine to observe that. But what are you going to do to safeguard yourself as a couple and as individuals? Because money can make or break a relationship. Yes, it can. Mm -hmm. Um, And people tend, just as people individually don't always want to admit to not knowing, they may not want to admit to not knowing in that kind of scenario as well. My career path is a lot more risky in terms of when you get paid and how long you don't get paid and your amounts and, and that sort of thing, like having to travel and ha- like that sort of stuff is kind of very volatile. So one of the challenges like that we would have is having that disparity between Cyrus having a salary, like a regular, I have a job, I get a salary every month kind of thing. And then on my end of it in music business, kind of you just get paid when you get paid <laughs> when, you, when you work you just get paid <laughs> right um so like having to to um maneuver that our, our resources over the course of a year and and surviving a year like depending on how high um what you call it the frequency of work on my end is or how okay. low depending like that's that's just something that is kind of a challenge from time to time and we have to be our intelligent selves and, and work it out and yeah. not be ridiculous. Yeah, work, yeah. <laughs> I remember Cyrus mentioned they have like both individual accounts as well as a joint account. Mm-hmm. But then there are the people that do other things. Cy- Cyrus referenced um, couples in Germany he knows of that they have their own individual accounts and that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And every family does things differently. I got a question about that actually coming out of that episode, you know, where someone said it was useful to hear about what other people were doing because everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is to discuss it. Agreed. And there are pros and cons to each approach as well. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no right formula. No. And it might be right at this time, but not exactly. two because, years from now. Exactly, because we do evolve as people and as a couple, mm-hmm. right? So that, that that is very important. Very, very good point. That was a very enlightening episode. Absolutely. 
for us um, going forward or from the past till now, uh, we've each had our own and we've had together. So, so we basically have uh, three pools of money, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Um, but for some, for some very family-oriented people, uh, they everyone's Every, money. Everything is everybody's. Everything, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're just one, right? Uh, and then some people. Some people I know. It's uh, well, not some people I know in Germany. Actually, it's uh, like mine is mine, yours is yours. And that's, 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 it. that's it. Right? Yeah. So I guess it really depends there. We then, for our last episode, we touched on delayed gratification. And we spoke with Rene Delmas, again, from Fortress, and Melinda Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, Stealing money from your future self. <laughs> not a good look, right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, Melinda talked about a story that still has me kind of unnerved. And kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be my gentle way of saying it. Melinda mm-hmm. talked about a story, which I then looked up, and I don't know exactly how true it is, but I definitely know that she's not the only financial advisor who has relayed this tale. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the short version of this is the dog food story. And it's with this guy who goes to his aunt's house. She's retired. He's going to help her do some stuff. He's hungry. He goes in the cupboard and there's nothing there. He goes in the fridge and there's dog food. And he asks her, well, you don't have a dog. What's this? She's like, oh, well, that's the only thing that I can really afford afford to to eat. eat. And that all stemmed from the fact that she didn't have enough money to support herself through retirement. Mm -hmm. Um, None of us want to end up eating dog food. There was uh, an article that I read and he, a guy went to visit um, his aunt, I think, or grandmother, I'm not sure. And he said that he went looking in her cupboard and he found dog food. And then he was like, well, she doesn't have any dogs. And then she said that that's the food that she eats because she did not properly plan for wow. retirement. So that shook me. And I always say, you know what? If you do not plan for retirement, now you're stealing money from yourself in the future. So it's really, really important to actually ensure you have that plan in place for the long term. So, yeah, so be, be very, very careful. These are some stark realities. And sometimes, you know, even on the on the roads of Barbados, we may see persons or you wonder, you know, the street characters mm-hmm. and you wonder how could anybody let their lives get this way and whatnot. But you just don't know what life can do to you or for you mm-hmm. or against you. So sometimes persons may have fallen on hard times and they did not have the background or the assistance or even the foresight to have a nest egg put down for themselves to get them through some rougher times. So you also have to be very, very careful. You never know any one circumstance. And it's a very, very humbling thing that we're all one bad day away from being unemployed, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, so be always make sure that you have something put down. What I have always told persons is, is, is a very tall order. It is very difficult, but it is integral. Make sure you have at least six months salary put down. The reason we should have six months salary put down is just in case something happens, your company goes out of business, you are downsized, something happens, anything can happen, any million number of things can happen. You need to know that you, your family and your dog are taken care of, <laughs> you know, so, you know, if your dog's not able to eat, he, he, he doesn't understand. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, so basically what I'm going to say is, is that we have to make sure that we look out for our futures and we cannot take from our futures to spend today without repaying to our future. The same way how you may take some money from a bank, you have to pay it back. Your future is the most important bank 
that exists. And if you borrow from it, you must pay it back or else you will be troubled when the time comes. Yeah, and you're talking about borrowing back and paying back mm-hmm. for that future self. But the important thing to remember, is, and I, a couple of years ago at our annual investment forum, we had a speaker who posed this question to the audience about if you had $10,000 today, what would you do? Would you... You had two choices. You could either invest it in your children's college fund or you could put it down for retirement. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the people in the audience said, oh, children's college fund Mm -hmm. because they want to make sure their kids are taken care of. And she said, well, guess what? That child can get a scholarship. They can get an educational loan. You can use another asset to help them get another loan. But you will not get a loan when you retire. You will not. No. So put that money to work for you is not to say that you cannot put things aside for your children and your spouse and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But you have to make sure that you pay yourself first, which is one of the things that Renee talked about. Mm -hmm. I think Renee's focus, too, was focusing on your priorities and the fact that you can balance things. So people think, well, I don't have a lot to save. I barely getting through. No, I don't. I can't invest any money. And yes, obviously, there are circumstances that are trying. You know, you have various loans, debts, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the important thing to remember is that something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. So even if what you're starting with now seems like a pittance, Mm -hmm. you're building with compound interest. Exactly. So it still is something more than if you'd done zero. Exactly. One of the first things you need to do, you need to figure out what it would cost you to live at a certain level after you retire. And once you figure out how much money you're going to need, you do your introspection, you figure out how can I prepare for this? Some persons say, well, you know, I can die tomorrow. But we often respond and say, you could not. And you may live to 100. What happens then? Do you want to spend the last years of your life in misery or in pleasure? You know, so prepare for your future. It is very, very important. You know, you don't, nobody wants to become a burden on society or their own families. Mm -hmm. Make sure you can take care of yourself and you can spend your last years in complete bliss. It's a matter of priority. And I've always gone through life to say, you know, what, and, and this concept that I keep referring to paying yourself first, what are your priorities? Well, you have to pay income tax, national insurance, mortgage, life insurance. Frontline costume. <laughs> Retirement. <laughs> Whatever it is for you that works, I'm not saying what is good for me is good for you, but the point is, is that you map out your, your, your objectives, your strategy, and you stick to it. And Yes, I, I've always found there will always be something left over to, to enjoy life because you, you have to enjoy life. But there's a time and place for everything. When I had the four, the four boys, life was very hard and tough. But guess what? They're now over 21. <laughs> they all have jobs. I have no mortgage. I'm going to England in June. You know? So there's a time and place for everything. And you just have to... To keep that always um, where you are, you you adjust to suit. Well, it's been a great five episodes and well, six now. Yes, yeah, six now, <laughs> <laughs> and we're really happy to have been able to bring these episodes to you. We would love to hear what you think, as as always. And essentially, we wanted to share some financial insight and get the opportunity to discuss with other people who had some invaluable information to share. Things that we think are investors mm-hmm. and also just a general public. Um, living in Barbados, who want to plan for their financial future. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or would be willing to hear. So we hope that we've been able to do that in some regard. And we look forward to bringing you more episodes. So stay tuned mm-hmm. um, in a, an upcoming season. One of the things that we are doing very shortly 
will be our annual Fortress Investment Forum. I mentioned that earlier. Every year, Fortress hosts an investment forum that is open to both our investors as well as members of the public, pretty much anybody who ever spends money. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the Frank Column Hall. It's free of cost, mm-hmm. so there's no charge. Omar mm-hmm. and I will be there. Absolutely. <laughs> you need to register. Because it's free mm-hmm. and because the hall can only hold so many people, mm-hmm. you need to register at our website, which is fortressfund.com. Mm-hmm. And you register before March 1st because there's limited space and we have a cutoff point and we already have received quite a number of reservations. That is true. The theme for the forum that day will be risk and returns, the road to your financial security. And that's the Fortress Investment Forum, March 7th at the Frank Coloma Hall. Register at fortressfund.com. I'm honored to to have been here with mm-hmm. you, Kim. It was awesome speaking with everyone. I enjoyed the feedback. You guys have been awesome. And I'm looking forward to the forum and the next season. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And remember, Fortress is here to help you fund your future. Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Fund Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and more. Or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com. Special thanks to our producer, Mel Young, and the incredible song production team at Creek Studios. Remember to let us know what you think. So email us at info at fortressfund.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Fortress Fund Managers. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations. So spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. Thanks for listening.